Hello, this is William. And hello, this is Jake, and it's time to tune into the world. And so this week we are going to talk about a variety of different subjects that have sort of come up. Uh, So first of all, Donald Trump issued a new travel ban today, uh, which affects six Muslim-majority countries, all the countries that were previously banned except for Iraq. Um, Also, you have some significant... Uh, claims being made on Trump's side about Obama wiretapping Trump Tower. Uh, There are some developments in the French election, in North Korea, and so I'm going to just hand this over to William to start us off. Right, news has been made in the French elections. Um, Francois Fillon will stand in front of a judge, well, he will sit in front of a judge uh, next week on Tuesday, I believe, that's what the rumor was, and a judge will judge has ordered an investigation, a formal investigation of his um, alleged corruption. Several uh, well months ago, he said that if if the scandal did uh, was going to be investigated by a f- formally, he would stand down. He hasn't. The center right party has met the seat has met uh, just now, and they have and Fion has sort of held a gun to their heads. And quite literally, uh, you know, a figurative gun, not a, not a literal gun. But I, and that he has made very clear that he is not stepping down. He's going to continue um, rolling along. He obviously thinks nothing will come of this scandal. <clears throat> Meanwhile, in, in his absence, uh, Macron, who supposedly isn't a socialist, but he is um, with his party and Marche, has um, had nothing sort of a, a dramatic rise in the polls. Um, he has overtaken Marie Le Pen in, in the first and second round, uh, which is a bit of a shocker. And it's looking like he could win. But, uh, and so, quite shockingly, it, it seems, as it stands now, it seems to be the French election is pretty much in Macron's hand. It would take a big scandal, and it would take, um, it would take almost a miracle for Marie Le Pen to win. That's not to say it can't happen, because uh, as we've seen with Brexit and we've seen with Trump, anything can happen. And even with this Fionn uh, charade, anything can happen. But that's not the point. The point is, is that in April, on April 23rd, when uh, French citizens go to the polls, uh, Marie Le Pen will, you know, I'm not sure, she might win the first round, she might not. Uh, I mean, if Macron is so powerful, who knows? But regardless, Marie Le Pen's biggest problem to winning will be the cities. Most of the cities, with the exception of Bordeaux, um, <clears throat> generally speaking, don't vote you know, left, left wing, vote for the socialists. Marie Le Pen's sort of uh, constituents are in the south of France and in the north and in the Alsace and Lorraine uh, region, the old in- industry. And in the suburbs, Marie Le Pen has also has a slight lead over her opponents. But uh, most people in France, at least educated ones, uh, middle class, even high lower class, if that's even a, a ranking, believe that she would be a disaster as, as president and they would vote for the, the, more, the more sensible Edouard Macron. This being said, uh, <clears throat> if Marie Le Pen does lose... I'm afraid to say this This might be the, the end of the populist wave that has sort of swept through the world. Um, this is it. And there is no, there's a correlation between Brexit, Trump, and Le Pen, but there is no causation. They each have their, their, own, their own unique causes. But 
I would say and refer and affirm this that if Marie Le Pen loses, which is highly likely at this point, she um, this is the great populist wave uh, over. Uh, moving east uh, westward to the UK, Theresa May was recently in Scotland addressing the the, uh, the Scottish Conservatives. Was she and was sort of in a way preparing for a second referendum uh, of Scottish independence? Nicola Sturgeon. Uh, once another referendum she was I guess she was sort of in the limelight of the first referendum which was no but she wants a second referendum <clears throat> and uh, obviously the she secretly want she did not want Brexit but she secretly did want Brexit because it would mean she would have a second chance to clamor for a referendum <clears throat> but a problem she's facing is many of the large land-owning estates in Scotland that voted for the SNP in 2015 also voted for Brexit. So she's alienating, a, she's absolutely destroying the SNP because a large number of her electorate, <clears throat> well, at least a, la- a lot of the land-owning people there, voted for Brexit, even though, the op- even though the overwhelming population did not. And I, in... The first referendum in 2014, there was a claim made by then-leader Alex Salmon that uh, there was a proposed budget whereby oil was going to pay for quite literally everything for these massive social uh, entitlement programs that were going to de-incentivize anyone who wanted to work. And when the oil price dropped in the same year, you know, in the December, you know, in 2014, 2015, that budget mysteriously vanished and no- nothing's been made of it yet. And so the common thought is my belief is that if they were to try for a second referendum, oil is still too low for the S&P to make the claim that, well, the oil, pr- the, the oil will help us, um, in a sense, pay for these big programs. And then there's the other question of the currency. Because uh, uh, Theresa May and her predecessor David Cameron have made it pretty clear that then that the Scotland will not be allowed to have the pound sterling, the EU, I don't think, with the whole Greece experiment, Greece you know crisis will let the will let will try and take on another experiment in Scotland. So that brings the question: Will they have to create a new currency, peg it to the pound, create their own central bank, perhaps using IMF, ECB? Bank of England and World Bank loans to prop up this, you know, this sort of, in a sense, second handy down uh, central bank to ma- to manage phys- monetary policy, and this would be a disaster. And I think that Theresa May was was rightly so saying that, you know, you're not leaving, and it'd be a terrible mistake if you did. And I also think that the SNP as a political entity, are on the decline because people vote for the SNP. They want independence from England, but they get so many things from England. They get they already have their own parliament. They already have the ability to raise and lower their own taxes. They have the ability to raise and, and make laws in Scotland. So what are they doing whining about independence when they very nearly have it? Well, and that's also part of the, you know, that's why they stayed, I think, in the, the first referendum is because they they get so much from England and they would be operating at such a deficit without England and with oil prices as they are that they couldn't really function as an independent country. And so I think that has to be really factored in. I want to move on uh, 
just for a minute to the North Korean sort of situation. Uh, North Korea recently has been very bold uh, and maybe even brazen in firing ballistic and testing ballistic missiles towards the Sea of Japan and, you know, from different missile sites. And so this has been condemned, obviously, the UN Security Council, and I think the UN as a whole passed a resolution saying, no, North Korea, you can't fire any more, you know, ballistic missiles, nuclear missiles, or or do any more testing. But yet they continue to launch ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan and into other other areas. And so Japan especially and South Korea especially are getting worried about North Korea because they continue to fire these missiles into the Sea of Japan, which is Japan's exclusive economic zone and, you know, supposedly somewhere that can't be uh, interfered with. So it's it's a it's a serious problem and you have to wonder at what point do you say enough is enough? You know, Kim Jong-un can't get away with this any longer and just, you know, sanction him or I, I don't know if warfare is the way to go, but at one point is enough enough? William, I kind of want to know, what what do you think, at what point do the U.S. And, and, you know, the Security Council, the U.N. say North Korea just stop and use some kind of force or sanctions or something like that? I think it would take a direct provocation. It would take North Korea legitimately um, <clears throat> not just hitting South Korea. It would be hitting South well, Actually, no, hitting South Korea, hitting Seoul, hitting large civilian targets, Seoul, Japan, with a ballistic missile that causes mass casualties. That would provoke a response. And I don't think U.S. ground troops would get involved directly. Maybe they would. But they would certainly assist the South Koreans and the Japanese in in absolutely obliterating um, <clears throat> North Korea. Also, I think that North Korea, we've had sanctions on them for the last 10 years, and there seems to be no improvement. And maybe it's time for a new approach. Maybe if we open up North Korea to the Western world, the forces of change and, and democracy and, and the free flow of ideas, perhaps, over the long run, could totally discredit and, and, basically, uh, and basically render make the, make the people of North Korea realize that actually there is this crazy person running them and we should be able to decide our own destiny. And perhaps this could be the case. But after- and I think that may be true, but I think uh, you know, the crazy person that is running North Korea, I'm not sure how willing he would be to actually opening up, you know, his country to these democratic ideals. Well, that's the whole point. It's it's the West. The West should open up North Korea. They should take the sanctions off. Let the trade happen. But maybe, maybe it. it I think it is simply. I think to answer your question, Jake. I think it would take a direct missile strike somewhere, and maybe. I mean, maybe it. I mean, if he fired off a nuclear missile, I th- I'm pretty sure it's been made. You know, very clear that he would get a nuclear missile in return, either from the U.S., from Russia. No, maybe not from Russia, but from certainly from the U.S. He would receive a nuclear missile um, in return. Yes, and and you know, sadly, unfortunately, I agree with you. I mean, I think that 
a direct sort of provocation would be what it has to take to uh, you know invade North Korea but that's a, a real shame because at this point we're just waiting for something to happen waiting for you know the crackpot dictator that runs the country to actually do something terrible which is a real shame and so we're going to move on to maybe the biggest news of the day uh, President Donald Trump's new travel ban. So what it is, the details of it, it's a 90-day ban on people from six countries. Uh, the same six, or, or, you know, the first ban, he had seven. And so this one is the same, you know, seven countries except for Iraq. Um, and so we discussed the first one in depth on a previous podcast and you can go there if you like to, uh, you know, learn a little more about it. So citizens for this one, citizens of Iran, Libya, Syria, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen are subject to a 90-day travel ban, 120-day ban on all refugees. It lifted the permanent ban on Syrians, and it has re- reduced or lifted the religious minority preference, which was seen as a way for the U.S. to only take Christians out of these countries. So it's become slightly less controversial, but still controversial nonetheless. So, and additionally, green card holders from the countries won't be affected and you can actually come in. So there were certain, there were certain problems with that first one that I think have been resolved, and I don't think that there's ever going to be unanimous support of some kind of travel ban, Um, but this has ironed out some of the original problems, really the mess that that first one created. Yeah, and I I would also say that I think, well, I don't know this, but I would assume that I think Kelly... And Tillerson were consulted on this. I think that the first one, it was just Trump just a spontaneous, in a sense, legislative um, sort of blitzkrieg by Trump and his senior advisors. Whereas now it seems that Tillerson has been consulted, that Kelly, who I, I think is going to actually have to implement this, has been consulted. So there is there has been consultancy you know, by the Trump administration on this. Banner. And, you know, people can say well, racist, whatever it is, but the... The frankness of the situation with this ban is you can address it as a race. You have to look and see if it is constitutional or if it is not constitutional. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge he's going to have because I'm assuming that in the, in the next few days there's going to be nothing short of an onslaught of rage, of anger, and people who are going to try their very hardest to stop this ban. We saw Judge Robart... Um, stop the ban, you know, is a similar situation going to happen again? I don't know. Uh, it seems to me, I mean, I, th- I think because the ban was so spontaneous and, and there was so much rage behind it, I think that perhaps um, it might not be the same. But I still think there will be a challenge. And that brings a question, the last... Uh, Executive order did not make it to the Supreme Court. It got close, but it did not make it to the Supreme Court. 
and the question becomes if would this new ban be tried to bring to brought to the Supreme Court so that Trump would you know it would struggle for him to in a sense issue more of these bans but regardless um, I think that Trump is going to go and a British politician said this about three weeks ago when they were discussing um, Brexit I mean sorry about uh, discussing Trump's visit to the United Kingdom he made a very good point and he said that Trump might go down as the only politician who's going to get in trouble for following through on his promises and that statement really did stick with, stick with me and I think that, you know, just sidelining the talk of the executive order, looking at what Trump has done these last few weeks, he has, believe it or not, stuck to his promises. He hasn't implemented them very well, but he has stuck to them. He has, he's tried to do this. He's trying to do that. He's, he signed an executive order trying to build the wall. He signed an executive order, at this one, you know, banning, conducting what he called his so-called Muslim ban, whatever it is. So I think that statement that the British politician made was exactly right. Well... That's uh, that's interesting to hear, and I mean, you're you're right. Trump has tried, however you know, ill-guided he has been, to come through, follow through on those campaign promises, and so I I I can't see there being as much uproar about this one as there was in the last one, because I think the most controversial measures in that last ban were the suspension of green cards and visas of people already from those countries and the religious minority preference. And so this looks less like a Muslim ban and more like a sort of national security ban, uh, and it, or at least a ban in the interest of national security. And so I wanted to move along lastly, finally, uh, to a really sort of juicy topic of Trump's claim that Obama had wiretapped Trump Tower and sort of the fallout that has happened because of that. So originally, Donald Trump tweeted that Obama and his aides have, or had during the campaign cycle, wiretapped Trump Tower and were sort of spying on him and so that obviously has caused some controversy. The Obama camp has said, absolutely not. We deny fully these allegations. The FBI and James Comey has said, no, that's, that's not correct. They haven't. But you get the feeling like Donald Trump truly believes that Obama has wiretapped Trump Tower. And the reason that I think he believes that is because of the ongoing scandal about Russia. The Russian ambassador, it seems like, has met with all of Trump's cabinet members, has met with Trump himself, and, you know, that is something... Trump, having not been an experienced politician, is, is you know, wondering how everyone seems to, to know this. But, you know, given the complicated ways of Washington, everything gets recorded, everything gets, you know, politics, everything gets recorded, the Russian ambassador's every move... I assure you, is you know reported by the Department of Defense or the Department of State, and so uh, I don't think personally that Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. I just think that Trump is trying to find out how in the world do they know about you know meetings with Russian ambassadors or whoever it is that I had in private, and the reason is because. Everything gets tracked in politics, and Trump, not being an experienced politician, uh, 
he, you know, doesn't necessarily understand that. You also get uh, serious criticism um, about his picks uh, of Jeff Sessions, uh, Rens Priebus, who is the chief of staff, is becoming uh, more and more criticized about all of these, you know, controversies that continue to come out of the White House in the first, you know, two months of of Trump being president, and so you really have to step back and think. As if you're Donald Trump, you have to step back and think, who have I picked to be cabinet, you know, my cabinet, and have I done a fine job? Because there have just been so many controversies, and you get the sense that the people in his cabinet are not there to help him. They're there for their personal sort of goal. So I'm interested to to hear what you have to say, William. Well, I would say I think that this Russian ambassador... Uh, story is being a bit overplayed. A photo was tweeted um, after Trump tweeted that remark, the the wiretapping. Well, just sorry, just just prior, a couple of days prior. About uh, the first photo showed Chuck Sh- Schumer with Putin. The second photo showed Nancy Pelosi meeting the then Prime Minister, uh, President uh, Mendedev. And it just goes to show that uh, the Democrats can. Um, can scream and wail all they want about Trump and Russia, but they themselves have had their own close meetings. Now, Sessions was on the Armed Services Committee, and he, you know, being on that committee, you will have met the Russian ambassador. You you do meet these sort of influential people, influential diplomats. So I give Sessions a break on that. However, he should not have covered that up or not li- and sort of, you know, misled Congress. But... um. I don't know if Trump met with the ambassador with Russia. It hasn't come out yet. If Trump did meet with the ambassador, would it seriously discredit him? I'm not sure. Yes, it would, be, it would be harmful to him, but if the same ambassador met with the Russian, met with President Obama 22 times which it was, it was released by the Wall Street Journal, that that is what happened. I think that some perspective has to be taken into account. I also think that it is preposterous to um, then conclude from that that Trump's cabinet is somehow teaming up with Russia. I, you know, Mattis is quite a staunch critic. Kelly is not too fond of the Russians, nor is Rex Tillerson is, but he is only to a degree. And... I think that the media is totally overblowing this because they are so angry that Trump has at every occasion bashed them, humiliated them, and proved them to be, uh, and proved to the world that they sometimes mislead the public. And there is this such rage, mostly at left-wing news sites. The Wall Street Journal and Fox News have a t- have bashed Trump from time to time, but they haven't. They haven't done it with the same viciousness that the New York Times has. Um, that the LA Times has, that the, that the New Yorker has, that all these other, that MSNBC, um, CNN have. <clears throat> and I think that's what it is. And if Trump, now that's one possibility. The second possibility is this is catastrophic. This is absolutely, this is impeachment, this is absolutely catastrophic. And that Trump will have to resign in what could be a most massive scandal. And then if it's, and if my, and then if it comes out that Mike Pence somehow is the sort of the guardian angel in this whole event and he becomes president well then that's a totally different ball game 
But I, do, yeah. I do hope people. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. It, it's just this is this has become the story of the beginning of his presidency, the the Russia connection, and I also uh, just to to wrap up the Sessions connection with the Russian ambassador. I legitimately believe was just Sessions trying to separate the campaign with what he does as a senator. Because as a senator from Alabama, I mean, he has the right to meet with the Russian ambassador if he feels like he needs to. And so I think it's very difficult for many of these politicians to try to separate what's actually what they did as a senator or as a representative in Congress versus what they did in terms of trying to campaign for Trump or for some other person. So I think it's a fine line. Um, I doubt Trump will have to resign over any of this, and I don't think that this wiretapping claim has any real basis to it. And so I think it will eventually all sort of fizz out uh, over the next couple of months, especially as we see Trump uh, initiate some new orders and try to pass legislation. So that'll be all for today. Thank you very much for listening.